thunder mutters. Podcast presented by Becky Dello and Adam Horowitz. Episode 5 John Clare, The Shepherd's Calendar, June. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of The Thunder Mutters and we're back with John Clare's June from The Shepherd's Calendar. I'm Adam Horowitz. And I'm Becky Dello. So here we are, still locked down and hopefully you're all staying well. Adam and I are several miles apart but both have not succumbed to the virus yet. But we hope you're, you're all well and hoping that these podcasts are helping to keep you entertained in these strange times. If you do like what you're hearing, we would really appreciate if you fancy putting a few pounds or dollars or euros on our Ko-fi page to help cover the costs of hosting the podcast via Captivate. The website is www.kofi.com, that's K-O-F-I, forward slash the thunder mutters. And many thanks to those of you who have already visited that page it's really appreciated yes Thank it's you. hugely appreciated it's helped us keep going already uh, for the first couple of months we're covered for a, a little while yet i think absolutely so the tunes that i play in this episode the first tune is called jackson's morning brush the tune has a bit of an irish flavor to me which i love i love irish tunes and uh, it, when i did a bit of research into it it turned out that um, it was in fact composed by an irish musician in 1775 a chap named walker piper jackson it's thought that the title refers to a fox's tail, and it's also known as Fairy Haunts and Jackson's Morning Brew. Hence, I chose it for this episode because Claire refers to the convivial drinking scene and to fairies and also to hunting in this poem, June. So I sent two versions of me playing this tune to Adam. I've been making the most of lockdown and I've had fiddle lessons with, in my opinion, two of the best fiddlers in the world. That's Irish fiddler Martin Hayes and English fiddle player Sam Sweeney. And this means my style is developing and changing throughout the whole sort of podcast, really. And for a couple of tunes, I recorded two versions uh, to let Adam choose which one he preferred, the old me or the new me. Um, interestingly, he chose the old style me <laughs> for both of them, which was which was interesting. Maybe I should just stop practising, stop having I, I, lessons. I don't think that's the case. It's just that they fitted the poetry more immediately at that point. The, the tunes felt more intuitive with the poems. The June section of the Shepherd's Calendar is quite a short piece, so we've added a few more Clare poems this time round to begin with. And the first one of these is The Heat of Noon, which isn't seemingly that appropriate for the weather this time of year, unfortunately, although I'm sure it should be. Oh, I don't think we can complain, Adam. It was, it was really lush a couple of weeks ago. 
It was it was June a couple of weeks ago when it was still May, yes. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that, yeah. <laughs> anyway, after that first poem, I then play a hornpipe fabulously named the Beef Steak Hornpipe, spelt by Claire S-T-A-K-E, which made me laugh. I just thought of a, a steak in the ground made of beef. Anyway, I can't find any other references to this tune or the same melody by another title, although it does have some similarities to the stack of barley. I did come to some very tenuous links, but they're so tenuous that I won't waste time on them. And needless to say, I chose it because Claire mentions cows in, in the June poem. That's followed by Claire's poem, Summer Happiness, which again, perhaps might be a tricky one to navigate intellectually at this current point of time, given everything that's going on, not what with one thing and another. But it's still, it's a beautiful poem. This is followed by the tune, Come to the Bower. It's in Claire's manuscript, I think as the melody of a love song, rather than a dance tune. The words which Deacon found on a broadside open with, Will you come to the bower I have shaded for you? Our bed shall be roses all spangled with dew. So it seemed very fitting with the sentiment that Claire depicts in June. That's followed by Wild Bees. And I picked this purely because of the last two lines. It's a lovely poem anyway, but the last two lines... These sweeten summer in their happy glee by giving for her honey melody. I then play a tune, a very well-known English tune actually, called Off She Goes. Not only is it played a lot now in English tune sessions, but judging by the frequency that it appears in handwritten tune books from the 19th century, including Thomas Hardy's family tune book, this was a very popular country dance tune. It's also known as Off She Goes for Butter and Cheese, The Rustic Dance, or Peeling Willow. I wondered if perhaps it was known as that because it's got a dance movement similar to Strip the Willow, but I don't know enough about dancing to, to confirm that. That's followed by the first part of June from the Shepherd's Calendar. I then play a really lovely tune, I think, called Young Parker. It's possibly slightly tenuous to include this one, as it's the melody of a song supposedly about the 1797 execution of a sailor called Richard Parker. So it's hardly fitting to represent a poem about the joys of summer. That said, Claire is reminiscing about times gone by, so perhaps the melancholic theme is shared between the two, although the tune itself isn't that melancholic it's remarkably upbeat considering it's about an unjustified execution of a man claire doesn't include the lyrics in his tune book so he possibly used it as a dance tune and the reason is the execution happened in june that's why i include it the, the next tune is tinker tink which i couldn't find out much about except that it can also be found in another manuscript book tune book from sussex under the name rinkertink I originally thought it was referring to pots and pans, perhaps a tinker, a rag and bone man or a gypsy, which is why I included it, because Claire talks about gypsies here. But I'm not convinced about that. Although I have found a reference to a song in the 1886 Folklore Journal, which cites the lyrics, I am a jovial tinker, I've travelled both far and near, and I never did meet with a singer without he could drink some beer. And then... Uh, and it's then with a friend we'll a merry life spend, which I never did yet, I vow. 
With my ring-a-tink-tink and a sup more drink, I'll make your old kettles cry sound. So it's possibly a song tune, or at least it validates my theory on the link to gypsies. The next tune is called Regent's Fate. I chose this one from Claire's tune book as the, its title likely refers to a large fate put on by Prince Regent in June 1811, hence the link. Perhaps it was a dance tune written or used at that massive party. According to regencyhistory.net, the fete was held on the 19th of June, 1811, in honour of the King's birthday and to show support for the exiled French royalty. In reality, it was a celebration of the regency period and George had wanted to revel in his advent to power ever since he'd become regent, but he feared his father might recover and the party had twice been put off. There were 2,000 invitations sent, although notably the Queen didn't attend as she was really cross with him for holding a party when his father was so ill. I placed that tune towards the end of the poem because it leads in to the passage in Clare's Dune from the Shepherd's Calendar where he's talking about the Lords and the vulgar folk, as he puts it, being together and being as alike as they could be. So it's the fairs that had long gone, and that tune leads into that passage about the fates and fairs in summer. And going from the gentry right down to the labourers, the next tune is called The Ploughman. Um, A pretty tune, possibly originally a song melody, although in Clare's manuscript book he gives dance instructions suggesting that he used it to accompany dancing and again used here because Claire mentions a ploughman. So without further ado here's Becky playing Jackson's Morning Brush. a sultry lusciousness around the far-stretched pomp of summer which the eye views with a dazzled gaze and gladly bounds its prospects to some pastoral spots that lie nestling among the hedge confining grounds where in some nook the haystacks newly made scents the smooth level meadowland around while underneath the woodland's hazily hedge the crowding oxen make their swaley beds and in the dry dyke, thronged with rush and sedge, the restless sheep rush in to hide their heads from the unlost and ever-haunting fly. And under every tree's projecting shade, places as battered as the road is made. Thank you. 
The sun looks down in such a mellow light. I cannot help but ponder in delight to see the meadows so divinely lie beneath the quiet of the evening sky. The flags and rush in lights and shades of green look far more rich than I have ever seen, and bunches of white clover bloom again, and plats of lambtow still in flower remain. In the brown grass that summer scythes have shorn, in every meadow level as a lawn, while peace and quiet in that silent mood cheers my lone heart and doth my spirits good, the level grass, the sun, the mottled sky seems waiting round to welcome passers-by. Summer is prodigal of joy. The grass swarms with delighted insects as I pass, and crowds of grasshoppers at every stride jump out all ways with happiness their guide, and from my brushing feet moths flirt away in safer places to pursue their play. In crowds they start. I marvel, well I may, to see such worlds of insects in the way, and more to see each thing, however small, sharing joy's bounty that belongs to all. And here I gather by the world forgot harvests of comfort from their happy mood, feeling God's blessing dwells in every spot, and nothing lives but owes him gratitude. These children of the sun which summer brings, as pastoral minstrels in her merry train, pipe rustic ballads upon busy wings, and glad the cotter's quiet toils again. The white-nosed bee that bores its little hole in mortared walls and pipes its symphonies, and never-absent cousin black as coal that Indian-like bepaints its little thighs with white and red bedight for holiday, right earlily a morn to pipe and play and with their legs stroke slumber from their eyes. And I, so fond they of their singing seem, that in their holes a bed at close of day, they still keep piping in their honey dreams, and larger ones that thrum on ruder pipe round the sweet-smelling closen and rich woods, where tawny white and red-flushed clover buds shine bonnily, and bean-fields blossom ripe, shed dainty perfumes and give honey food, to these sweet poets of the summer field. Me much delighting as I stroll along the narrow path that haylaid meadow yields, catching the windings of their wandering song, the black and yellow bumble first on wing to buzz among the sallow's early flowers, 
hiding its nest in holes from fickle spring, who stints his rambles with her frequent showers, and one that may for wiser piper pass, in livery dress half sables and half red, who laps a moss-ball in the meadow-grass, and herds her stores when April showers have fled, and russet commoner, who knows the face of every blossom that the meadow brings, starting the traveller to a quicker pace, by threatening round his head in many rings. These sweeten summer in their happy glee, by giving for her honey melody. June, from the Shepherd's Calendar by John Clare. Now summer is in flower, and nature's hum is never silent round her sultry bloom. Insects as small as dust are never done with glittering dance and reeling in the sun. And greenwood fly and blossom-haunting bee are never weary of their melody. Round field hedge now flowers in full glory twine. Large bindweed bells, wild hop, and streaked woodbine that lift a thirst their slender throated flowers, agape for dewfalls and for honey showers. These round each bush in sweet disorder run and spread their wild hues to the sultry sun, where its silk netting lace on twigs and leaves the mottled spider at eve's leisure weaves that every morning meet the poet's eye, like fairies' dew-wet dresses hung to dry.
The wheat swells into ear and leaves below the May month wildflowers and their gaudy show. Bright carlock blue cap and corn poppy red, which in such clouds of colours widely spread, that at the sunrise might to fancy's eye seem to reflect the many-coloured sky. And leveret's seat and lark and partridge nest, it leaves a schoolboy's height in snugger rest. And o'er the weeders labour overgrows, who now in merry groups each morning goes to willow-skirted meads with fork and rake, the scented haycocks in long rows to make, where their old visitors in russet brown the haytime butterflies dance up and down, and gads that tease like wasps the timid maid, and drive the herd-boy's cows to pond and shade, who when his dog's assistance fails to stop, is forced his half-made oaten pipes to drop, and start and hallow through the dancing heat to keep their gadding tumult from the wheat, who in their rage will dangers overlook and leap like hunters o'er the pasture brook, brushing through blossomed beans in maddening haste, and strawing corn they scarce can stop to taste. Labour pursues its toil in weary mood, and fain would rest with shadows in the wood. The mowing gangs bend o'er the beaded grass, where oft the gypsy's hungry journeying ass will turn its wishes from the meadow paths, listening the rustle of the falling swaths. The ploughman sweats along the fallow vales, and down the sun-cracked furrow slowly trails, oft seeking when a thirst the brooks supply, where brushing eager the brink's bushes by, for coolest water he oft breaks the rest of ringdove brooding o'er its idle nest. And there, as loath to leave the swaley place, he'll stand to breath and wipe his burning face. Shepherd's idle hours are over now, nor longer leaves him neath the hedgerow bough on shadow pillocked banks and lolling stile. Wilds looses now their summer friends awhile, shrill whistles, barking dogs, and chiding scold drive bleating sheep each morn from fallow fold to wash pits where the willow shadows lean, dashing them in their fold stained coats to clean then turned on sunning sward to dry again, they drove them homeward to the clipping pen. In hurdles pent where elm or sycamore shut out the sun or in some threshing floor, there they with scraps of songs and laugh and tale 
lighten their annual toils while merry ale goes round and gladdens old men's hearts to praise the threadbare customs of old farmers' days, who while the sturting sheep where trembling fears lies neath the snipping of his harmless shears, recalls full many a thing by bards unsung and pride forgot that reigned when he was young. How the huge bowl was in the middle set at breakfast time as clippers yearly met, filled full of frumity, where yearly swum the streaking sugar and the spotting plum, which maids could never to the table bring without one rising from the merry ring to lend a hand who, if t'was ta'en amiss, would sell his kindness for a stolen kiss. The large stone pitcher in its homely trim and clouded point-horn with its copper rim o'er which rude health was drunk in spirits high, from the best brooch the cellar would supply, while sung the ancient swains in homely rhymes, songs that were pictures of the good old times, when leathern bottles held the beer nut-brown that waked the sun with songs and sung him down. Thus will the old man ancient ways bewail, till toiling shears gain ground upon the tail, and breaks it off, when from the timid sheep the fleece is shorn, and we a fearful leap he starts, while we a pressing hand his sides are printed by the tarry brand, shaking his naked skin with wandering joys, and fresh ones are tugged in by sturdy boys, who when they're thrown down neath the shearing swain will wipe his brow and start his tail again. Though fashion's haughty frown hath thrown aside half the old form's simplicity supplied, Yet there are some prides winter deigns to spare, Left like green ivy when the trees are bare. And now, when shearing of the flocks are done, Some ancient customs mixed with harmless fun Crowns the swain's merry toils. timid maid, pleased to be praised and yet of praise afraid, seeks her best flowers, not those of woods and fields, but such as every farmer's garden yields, fine cabbage roses painted like her face, and shining pansies trimmed in golden lace, and tall tuft lark heels feathered thick with flowers, and woodbines climbing o'er the door in bowers, and London tufts of many a mottled hue, and pale pink pea and monkshood darkly blue, and white and purple gillyflowers that stay lingering in blossom summer half away, and single blood walls of a luscious smell, old-fashioned flowers which hussifs love so well, and columbines stone blue or deep night brown, their honeycomb-like blossoms hanging down, each cottage garden's fond adopted child, Though heaths still claim them where they yet grow wild, Among their old wild companions' summer blooms, Furs break and mosling ling and golden broom, 
snapdragons gaping like to sleeping clowns, and clipping pinks which maidens' Sunday gowns full often wear catched at by tozing chaps, pink as the ribbons round their snowy caps. Bess in her bravery, too, of glowing dyes, as deep as sunset's crimson-pillowed skies, and marjoram, knots, sweet briar and ribbon grass, and lavender, the choice of every lass, and sprigs of lads love all familiar names, which every garden through the village claims. These the maid gathers with a coy delight, and ties them up in readiness for night, giving to every swain tween love and shame her clipping poses as their yearly claim, and turning as he claims the custom kiss, with stifled smiles half anchoring after bliss, she shrinks away and blushing calls it rude, but turns to smile and hopes to be pursued. While one to whom the seeming hint applied follows to claim it and is not denied, no doubt a lover, for within his coat his nosegay owns each flower of better sort. And when the envious mutter o'er their beer, and nod the secret to his neighbour near, raising the laugh to make the mutter known, she blushes silent and will not disown. And ale and songs and healths and merry ways keeps up a shadow of old farmer's days. But the old beechen bowl that once supplied its feast of frumity is thrown aside. And the old freedom that was living then, when masters made them merry with their men, whose coat was like his neighbour's russet brown, and whose rude speech was vulgar as his clown, who in the same horn drank the rest among, and joined the chorus while a labourer sung, all this is past, and soon may pass away, the time-torn remnant of the holiday, as proud distinction makes a wider space between the genteel and the vulgar race. Then must they fade as pride or custom showers, its blighting mildew on her feeble flowers. And that was me playing the ploughman from Claire's manuscript tune book. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you have, we'd be very grateful if you'd help support the running of the podcast by uh, going to our Ko-fi page and putting a few pennies in the jar at www.kofi.com forward slash the thunder mutters. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash the thunder mutters. The next episode is going to be a little bit different. We have 
number of poets who have sent us poems responding to John Clare and a few tunes as well and we are going to be presenting a whole episode of responses to John Clare. It's not too late if you're feeling inspired to send a recording of a tune in just record it on your phone or anyhow um, we'd love to hear either your own compositions in response to the poetry or the tunes in his tune book or yourself playing a tune from from the manuscript book anything goes and even if you don't make it in time for the next episode in a fortnight's time we will be hoping to do another episode at some point so just keep on sending things in we'd love to hear from you and you can get in touch with us by emailing us at thethundermutters at gmail.com or finding us on Twitter at Thunder Mutters or on our Facebook page. See you next time. Mm -hmm.